rest of the work of Adam. Uh, and and we should never we should never settle uh, and uh, uh, and for our lives. I mean, we should never settle with you know. Well, that's just part of our life. Because once you do, then really what you're saying is that I'm giving up faith. You know, Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of what? Faith. Of faith. You know, there is a fight that's necessary in faith. But, you know, it's a good fight because we win. But it's a fight that we have to engage. We have to pursue victory. We have to go into it with the, with the goal of coming out ahead and not behind. And, uh, and that's really... When it comes to sickness and disease, that should be our mentality. I will win. I will beat this thing. Whatever this thing is, I will overcome. Uh, that, that's fighting the good fight of faith. And, and um, you know, I never want to just roll over and go, you know, none of us can be good all the time, you know, and just, and just give it up. You know, many times in the church, we just kind of, you know, well, you know, uh, I told you another time when someone was up and talking about how, you know, when you're broke and, and you don't have any money and the bill collector's calling you all the time and, and, um, it doesn't want to matter what you do. You know, you can't seem to hold a job or can't have any money. And, uh, and you know, I'm just listening to this person in a pulpit. And, and, and I don't, you know, I wasn't rude and, dis, and, and disrupt him. But I'm thinking, no, I don't know that. From the day I got born again, I started tithing. And from, from, now, from then until now, uh, which has been you know, more than 40 years, uh, I've never been without finances as long as I've been a child of God. And um, and the scripture that David mentioned in Psalms, you know, I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Amen. You know, scriptures like that. Just I, I live in that. I desire to live in that. I'm, I'm going to live in that. Yeah, and so I, I don't want to get to in, in my in my heart, in my mind where. Uh, well, you know, this is a fallen world. We're going to ha- we're all going to have to just live uh, below uh, being kings and priests like we are. Uh, and I'm thinking, I'm a king and a priest. I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to live where just uh, sickness controls my life and I have to maintain sickness and disease all the days of my life. Uh, and I will fight it to my very last breath on the earth. Amen. Uh, and, and that's part of fighting a good fight of faith. Uh, and, you know, and, and so, you know, as far as I can tell, there was no sin in their life that was causing that. You know, I think a lot of Christians, it's not even sin. It's just the lack of desire to fight. It's a lack of desire or, or it's really getting to the point that you just that's just part of my life and accepting it as part of their life. Uh, and, you know, once you accept it as part of your life, then you'll never fight it. You'll you'll never I mean, you'll fight it naturally. You'll you go you'll go get, you know, all the medication and go to the doctors and do all those things and. Again, are we ever against doctors or medication? We know we're never against doctors or medication. But, um, um, but even if I had to take uh, medication, even if I had to go, I would fight it every day. And whatever the doctor said, then I'm going to hook up my faith with that. Okay, this is what the doctor said to do. Then that's what my faith is going to be. And, and so, uh, but, but it is, uh, it's not so much alarming, but it, to me it's more of, it's more of a, you know, just kind of sad for, for Christians who don't know that uh, that where they're living, you know, could be so much better that they could live here, but they're satisfied with living here. Right. They're satisfied with, well, you know, sometimes you just, you know, uh, nobody can have a car that just doesn't break down every day. You know, well, plenty of people have cars that don't break down every day. Right. And, and um, you're not a bad person if your car breaks down every day. But believe God we, that you can get a car that gets you to work, you know, more than two days in a row. Right. Uh, and and so uh, we, we never want to settle as Christians. We never want to settle for uh, living way below where we ought to live because the Bible says that Jesus, that we are seated in heavenly places where? In Christ Jesus, right? So we're, we're, we're uh, above the whole world, right? So there should be no, no issues in the world that are holding us back and controlling our lives. And, and, um, um, but it's really, that, that all of that is uh, what the Bible calls having your minds renewed, right? Being transformed by the renewing of your mind, according to Romans chapter 12. And we need to be transformed and, you know, uh, have our, all of our thinking lined up with the Word of God and think like the Word of God thinks. Uh, and that's having your mind renewed. And a lot of Christians don't have their mind renewed. They just, well, I know, I know the Bible talks about healing, but, you know, in reality, nobody can actually live in divine health. You know, that's just... That doesn't happen. Well, it does happen. You know, uh, I've lived in divine health for many, many years uh, and um, and expect to live in divine health until I breathe my last breath on the earth. Amen. Now, I have to maintain that divine health by faith. 
uh, and it does take some diligence on my part, but what you find if you do this over a long period of time, it becomes easier and easier to do, just like anything that you do with faith. Once you've exercised your faith and you've exercised that particular faith muscle in, in whatever thing that you're dealing with, whether it's sickness and disease or, or um, finances or controlling your emotions, you know, a lot of people just say, that, well, I, you know, you can't control your emotions. Well, sure you can. Well, you can't just not, not be depressed. Sure you can. I mean, the world tells you you can't. The world says, well, that, that, you know, you can't just not be depressed. Sure you can. Uh, You can just realize I'm depressed. Okay, then I'm not going to be depressed. You know, you can't just not do that. Sure you can. The Word of God says you can. Because if if you can't, then depression is greater than the Word of God. It's greater than the power of God. Well, there's nothing that's greater than, more powerful than the Word of God or or the power of God. Uh, And uh, you can't just control your emotions, you know. Sure you can. Your emotions are given to you. They're a gift part of who you are. But they don't control you. You know, your spirit man is what's supposed to control you. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so anything else that controls you, whether it's sickness and disease or your emotions or whatever your own thoughts that you might have, nothing can withstand uh, the power of the Lord and, and his word. Uh, and so if there's anything like that, uh, then what we should do as Christians is recognize this thing, whether it's your emotions or sickness and disease or whatever the, the thing is, this thing is controlling my life. It is contr- I have to do what it wants me to do. I don't get to choose. Uh, and of course, if uh, if I ever come across a situation where I where my choice has been removed from me, then then I realize then that is not of God because I always have a choice. Uh, and if you're ever in a situation where you think you don't have a choice, it's not of God. Uh, and that, you know, somebody, well, you can't just not be sick. See, they're saying that you don't have a choice. Then that can't be of God because there's no doctrine uh, in fact, we say around here many times that any doctrine that says that uh, you don't have a choice uh, is bad doctrine. Oh, yeah. uh, and a lot of people believe that, you know, that we that, uh, uh, well, you know, you can't just decide to be born again. God's already decided. Mm-hmm. So you don't have a choice in the matter. Well, then that's bad doctrine because the essence of faith is a choice, right? You can choose to believe God. You can choose not to believe God. That's the essence of the entire word of God, that you have a choice. It started all the way back in the garden, right, with Adam and Eve, right? And so... Calvinism is one of the dumbest doctrines in the whole world, right? It does, you know, and, and uh, I, I still am amazed that, and I'm not mad at John Calvin, I don't know him at all, you know, but I'm always amazed at how his doctrine became so prevalent in the earth. It's like, that's not even a, it's not even an interesting doctrine. It's like a really dumb, you know, it's the doctrine that somebody would come up with that doesn't know anything, right? I've never actually read the Bible. And I mean, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son, so, so that whosoever should believe on him, right? He didn't say whosoever that I pick and choose. He said whosoever. I mean, you just one verse. I mean, you could pick a, a dozen verses and, and destroy that doctrine. But it's, you know, it's, it's oftentimes, in my observation, it's the super intellectuals that love Calvinism because that way they can just, you know, well, we, none of us have a choice. You know, God's already picked it, you know. And so uh, then you just live however you want to because what's the matter? I mean, you know, live like the devil because... I mean, God, you know, you're going to heaven anyway, and, and how do you know, right? It's just kind of like the Jehovah's Witness, you know, there's 144,000. We've all been around a long time. Surely you went through your 144,000 already, so what are you doing? Why are you involved in that group? You know, you know there's been 144,000 before you, so you, there's no chance for you. Why are you even here? And, you know, you, you, you don't want to be mean to them or unkind to them, but, you know, the thing I love about the true Word of God is it's, it's intellectually sound. It makes sense, right? Uh, doubt and unbelief is the dumbest thing you've ever heard. You know, it's like, well, that's the dumbest thing. God doesn't heal. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, you can't control your emotions. That's the dumbest thing ever. You can't decide not to be depressed. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, uh, now you may not want to uh, stop being depressed. Uh, and some people don't want to be healed. Some people relish the attention. They, you know, they get a lot, they have, they have something to talk about. What am I going to talk about? If I'm going to talk about my disease, talk about maybe the goodness of God and how he heals you. Right. And, and so, but you have to have your mind renewed. You have to think like a king, right? You have to think like a victor, right? You have to think like I get to choose. And I think about that all the time, you know. Uh, and nothing, will, nothing is going to dictate my life to me other than the word of God and his spirit. If anything in my life is trying to control my life, whether it's my emotions or my past or, or my sickness and disease, and I don't mean that like my own, but any sickness and disease in my body, then, uh, then, you know, that godly rebellion rises up. Oh, no, you're not going to run my life. You know, there's no way, right? 
And I, I could shake my little finger like, you know, some people can you do that. You know, I, I can't move like people can move, you know. But I, oh, no, you're not going to control my life, right? Uh, and, uh, and that goes with sickness and disease, amen? amen. Uh, and, uh, but you've got to think that way, right? You've got to think and have your mind renewed that way. I, I do not live subject to somebody else. Nobody runs my life except for the Lord God. And, and he only runs my life because I chose to give it to him, right? Uh, that I have to choose to confess him as Lord, right? That's what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says. I have to choose. So it was my choice to confess him as Lord. So I choose to yield to him now to run my life. But most people don't choose to let emotions run their life. Most people don't choose to let sickness and disease run their life. Uh, they've, been, they've, they've been overcome by those things. Uh, and, um, and I just don't want to do it. I've lived, you know, lived my life plenty of years where emotions ran my life. I lived my life, you know, never was a very sickly person, but, you know, plenty of times you just normal sickness and disease comes upon you, you know, and you just suffer through it, you know, lived, uh, did that many years. And then you, you start getting a hold of the true word of God and realize, you know, I get to choose yes. everything. I get to choose everything in my life. Uh, and uh, to me, that's great doctrine. That's awesome doctrine, right? You know, my pastor used to say, I'm not your problem. You're not mine. And, and, uh, and the first time he said that, it was just great news because I, I realized, you know, whatever you bring into my life uh, is not my problem. I don't have to allow it to be my problem because a lot of times people, well, you know, you made me mad. Right. Uh, and what's your what's your friend say? I have a feeling word. <laughs> That's a corporate speak for, you know, you are my feelings, you know, whatever. Uh, but um, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe there's nobody, you know, uh, we're the church. So we can say what you want to, you know, but uh, but, you know, they talk like that, you know. And, and you know what I say? I refuse to let you uh, choose how I feel. You know, I, I you know, in fact, uh, that's what uh, uh, Smith uh, Wigglesworth, Smith uh, when uh, Lester Sumrall would go visit him, Lester would knock on the door and, Lester, and Smith would open the door and he's, you know, how you doing, Smith? And Smith would be just, you know, he's super gruff. He just, I don't ask Smith Wigglesworth how he's doing. I tell him how he's doing. Uh, and that, you know, and that I feel just the same way, that same boldness rises. You know, I don't, you know, my emotions don't tell me how I'm doing. I tell my emotions how I'm doing. Then you're not going to tell me how I'm doing. And I tell people like that all the time. You know, if you say that made you mad, then you chose to let them run your life. You chose to let them tell you how your emotions are going to respond. Nobody's going to choose to tell me how my emotions respond. Uh, and people, people do that all the time. You know, someone gets around them and they get all nervous, you know. I saw someone that had done us wrong not long ago, and, and uh, someone said, well, this is going to be real awkward. I said, no, it's not. Uh, they don't run my life. Uh, they, they are not my God. Mm. Uh, only the Lord God is my God. Amen. And, and if, I, if I have to get all nervous and, and fretful because I see somebody, then they're my God. Yeah. I have elevated them to be able to run my life, that they get to choose how I feel. Right. Uh, and, and I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to live that way with sickness and disease. I'm not going to live that way with emotions. I'm not going to live that way with, with people. Because people love to push your buttons, right? And, and they'll know your buttons. You know, they, and they, they, they try. And the devil knows every button that you push, right? I mean, I know the devil's putting people in the, slow, in the, in the fast lane every day for me, right? You know, he just, uh, and, um, you know, we're working on that one. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, and so, uh, but, uh, but, but you have to get your mind renewed to think that way. Uh, and, and see, a lot of people, their mind is not renewed. They just, they're victims of everything. Well, here we go again, you know. Oh, just, uh, you know, they got me so mad and now, you know, now I'm all depressed and, and just get all huffy, you know. I mean, you know, uh, I see people run by their emotions every day. Every day, just, you know, you know, just all huffy and just mad and just leave, you know. And it's like, well, there you go, you know, maybe, maybe one of these days you'll grow up, you know. You, may don't, you don't want to say that, but you would think of that right there, right? And so... Uh, you know, I told you I, when I was in, uh, when I used to teach the adult Sunday, cl Sunday school class, uh, I would always intentionally mention certain people's names from the church that had left because people, uh, our church was terrible about gossiping about people that left the church. Uh, and they would leave the church. And, and so I would just, oh, you remember so-and-so? Man, I loved them. You know, they were great, you know. And you could just hear the. <laughs> yeah, and, but I, would, I, I was doing that to help them to let them see. Because if I can mention somebody's name and that little man on the inside of you rises up, go, then that person, whoever they are, is now your God. They run your life. They choose for you what emotions you're going to have. You don't get the choice anymore. 
Uh, and that's because you've given that choice to them, right? You have given up your autonomy and your sovereignty to them. You are a sovereign being designed by God to be sovereign. God made you a sovereign being. Amen. Because he said, let us make man in our image. And what is the, one of the greatest characteristics of God? He's a sovereign being. In other words, he answers to no one. And you answer to no one unless you choose to answer to someone. So we chose to allow the Lord to be our Lord. Amen. That was a choice. He's not going to make us. Because even at the end of the day, you know, they, they will, every, every uh, uh, knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. But they, they won't meet it in their hearts. You know, they will acknowledge that the Lord is the, is the Lord God. But they still, he's not their Lord. They never let him be their Lord. Uh, and so uh, let the Lord be your Lord. And that's the only one. No one else should be your Lord. Yeah. Your sickness and disease that you might be dealing with is not your Lord. Amen. Amen. The medicine that you have to take is not your Lord. Amen. Uh, and surely none of your emotions are your Lord. And yet many people's emotions are their God. Yeah. They, they yeah. bow down to their emotions. Well, I can't just not, you know, I just can't get over it. I'm trying to get over it. Lie. You ain't trying nothing, you know. You just letting it just use you all day long, you know. Just let it use me. Uh, and, uh, you know, they just they throw it in neutral and just let their emotions run their life for a while there. You know, well, it's going to take me a while to get over it. No, it doesn't. You can get over it anytime you want to. Any uh, the, the second you acknowledge that, that you're in anger, you can choose not to be angry. Didn't uh, didn't Paul say uh, be, be angry and sin not? Well, you just can't help it sometimes. Well, then Paul lied to all of us, because uh, if you can't help it, then you've got to be angry and you've got to sin. Kick a door, you know. I mean, you know, we, we've been around a lot of rental property and stuff. And it's amazing how many people have no idea that you can be angry and sin not. Because they're all angry and they all sin. Every one of them bust the door out. I mean, you know, we go someplace and there'd be a hole in the floor. How do you get a hole in the floor in the middle of a living room, right? How do you get a, like a six inch, eight inch hole in the floor? In the, how's that even possible? You know, I don't even know how that's possible. Uh, in the, every door, you know, replace every door because every door, you know, oh, yeah, they got mad at the sister about that one. They got mad at the brother about that door. You know, that door over there was our mama got mad at them, you know. And I mean, it's just, what do you got against doors? I mean, you know, like, that door just makes me so mad. I can't handle it. And, uh, and it just, uh, but they live that way. And they'll live that way all their life, you know. And they will live as a slave to their emotions. They'll live uh, as a victim of their past, a victim of the people around them. Uh, and, and there's just enough rebellion in me that nobody's going to run my life um, except for the Lord God. Amen. Because I chose to let him. Now, he now he gets on me all the time, you know, just, you know, what about that right there? Well, Lord, I don't really want to talk about that, Lord, you know, but uh, but, uh, you know, uh, he, he's on my case. I mean, it's all the time. He's literally on my case all the time. And I, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but but uh, uh, because I have chosen and desire for him to be my Lord, then he takes his job serious. Yeah, and, and if I get out of line, even a little bit with my attitudes or thoughts or actions or deeds or whatever it is, he'd be like, yes, sir. You know, uh, and, and uh, uh, man, maybe one of these days, you know, he won't be so hard on me. But uh, but it's it's uh, and, I, and I don't take it, you know, as as oppression at all. I take it as that, you know, he loves me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, at least he's kind enough to tell me, because a lot of people uh, you can't. You know, some people you could never say. You know what you're doing is wrong because it'd be just they would just explode at you, you know, just it just knock your head off, you know. And, you know, and, and there have been plenty of times when the Lord said, you go say that to them. Lord, I'm not going to say that to them. You go say that to them. And then you go say that to them and you duck. Right. Uh, and because, you know, you know, and I've done that plenty of times knowing that the reaction I'm going to get is their their explosion, because many people, that's how they use. Uh, they use their emotions to control all the circumstances. Yeah. Well, you can't talk to me that way. And, and then they start crying. You know, it's like you just sit there and wait. Because they're trying to use their emotions to control the conversation. You just when they when they when the little snot dries up a little bit and then you just say, well, you're still wrong, you know, uh, and what you did was wrong uh, and you need to straighten up. Uh, and sometimes they'll listen to you. Many times they won't, because if they're so used to running by uh, being controlled by their emotions, they think they can control you by their emotions. And, and I'm just, it's just, you know, cry all day long. It won't bother me a bit. I'll just wait it out, you know. I mean, it, I'm not moved by it at all. Not, not even a little bit, you know. I don't feel sorry for them. Oh, you know, and it's like whatever. You know, they brought it all on themselves and they're, and they're making it up, you know. And so, but I don't, want any, I don't want anything to control my life. Nothing. No person will control my life. You know, I, I hear things, you know, people get married and then the wife says something and, and, the, and the husband 
you know, I mean, I know people, you know, the, the husband is called to the ministry where the wife doesn't support him, so they don't go in the ministry. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's John Wesley, uh, you know, yeah, I don't even know any story of John Wesley, but he married the devil's sister. Uh, and, and she was so mean to him for decades, mean to him, hateful to him, never supported him a day in the ministry. And, he, and, he, and yet he'd get on a horse and he'd ride thousands of hours per year to preach the gospel. His wife, not a single day, ever supported him. Uh, and I, and there, there's a story that someone said, well, aren't you afraid of the devil? He said, no, I've been married to his sister for years, you know. Uh, and so, uh, you know, he was not afraid of these things. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm not going to let, some, you know, and of course, you know, I thank God that I, I married a wonderful woman, you know. Uh, but if she said, uh, hey, I'm not going to church today, I don't care. I'm going to church, you know. Well, I don't want to go to that church. Sorry, we're going anyway, you know. Uh, and of course, we've never had to have that conversation. I thank God for that. But there's no way, you know. Now, if some things that are unimportant, you know, uh, that's not worth the fight, you know, you can decide on that. You know, I'm, uh, I'm going to tell one little story on her, you know. Maybe she won't get mad, too mad at me, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, but we're on the flow, so we're just going to go this way, right? But, but I remember uh, one time I, I wanted to buy a handgun. I said, honey, I'm going to buy a handgun. No, you're not buying a handgun. All right, fine, you know. Uh, and I had people tell me, well, you just need to go buy a handgun. Well, you know, handguns, there's no Bible, thou shalt own a handgun, right? So I didn't have any Bible for it, you know. Now, you know, if going to church, there's plenty of Bible for that, right? So she can't, you know. But, um, you know, I just waited out. You know, she grew up a little bit, you know. And then after about a year or two, she, well, you know, you can get a handgun. Okay, yeah, that's fine. But I had people tell me, you go buy a handgun. Now, see, that would have been unkind to me to just demand my rights, you know. Uh, uh, I have a right to a handgun. You know, there's no right to a handgun. I know the Second Amendment gives you a right, but I don't, there's no biblical right for it, you know. You, if, I mean, you, well, I, don't have a, I don't have guns in my house. Fine, I don't care. You don't, don't have guns in your house. It, it, there's no Bible for it, you know. I just wanted it because I wanted it. There's no, uh, there's no spiritual reason to it. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, so some things, you know, you, you can yield to that, right? And so... Yeah. One day, he, there's a security team, and there, he said, who in here has a gun? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go, right? So uh, I talked to a banker one time. He was just, he was so amazed that the, you're a, pa you have a handgun? You're a pastor? Well, yeah, I don't have it on me right now, you know. And, I mean, but, you know, uh, I, I do have one, and so... Um, but anything that matters, there's just no way. There's no way my wife would stop me from doing what's right. There's no way that, you know, if someone called me up to go preach somewhere and, oh, well, you, you know, you need to stay here and mow the yard. Are you kidding me? There's no way. <laughs> now, she would never say that, I know, but, but you know, a lot, of, a lot of husbands would just roll over, you know, and not do the will of God right. uh, because of the wife. Or a lot of wives won't do the will of God because of the husband. You know, uh, with Smith Wigglesworth, I don't remember the story of Smith Wigglesworth, but uh, his wife's name was Polly. And, and they got married. They were preachers of the gospel. I don't, I don't know if you remember, but when the Salvation Army started, they're called the Salvation Army, right? So they preached salvation. That was their whole thing. They, that's the whole reason to exist was to preach salvation. They'd, they'd get a flatbed truck, park it on the corner of the street somewhere, preach the gospel, get people saved. You know, that was why they were called the Salvation Army. You know, nowadays, like, what's Salvation Army got to do with ringing bells and Santa Claus suits at Walmart? I mean, I, you know. That's a whole other discussion. But, uh, and so everything was, was fine for, for a long time. And then uh, he, he was a plumber by trade. He quit school when he was in sixth grade. Uh, and so he went to work, you know. So he's probably 10, 12 years old. And, and about that time is when indoor plumbing started becoming a thing. And so, of course, all the rich people got that first, right, because they could afford to have all their walls ripped out and put indoor plumbing in, in their house. And so he, his plumbing business, he was a plumber by trade, started picking up. And he's doing more and more work, busy uh, all the day, uh, every day. Uh, and so uh, she kept on going to church uh, and going to all these services, right? Because a lot of times people go to services, you know, two, three, four, five nights a week, you know. And uh, nowadays people are just like, oh, are you kidding? You know, you got a special service on a Thursday night. Wow, you know, what's wrong with you? But, but back then it was, it was not unusual to go to every, every night, maybe except for one day, but six nights a, a week for weeks at a time. For like revivals and things and so she would go to, to all these church services and uh, and, and uh, he said uh, uh, you're going to too much church you know uh, uh, and if you go to church tonight uh, i'm going to lock you out 
Uh, and so she said, uh, she looked at him and said, well, Smith, you know, I don't neglect you. You know, you're always fed. And she did whatever her, she uh, had decided her responsibilities were at home. So she still kept the house and she still uh, fed and made the, made the meals and, and whatever else that she had to do. So he was not neglected as far as he was concerned. But, uh, but see, her going to, to church made him feel bad. And a lot of times your walk as a child of God makes somebody else feel bad. Well, I can't help that. You know, if my walk of faith makes you feel bad, that's not on me. That's on you. Now, if I go up and say, wow, if you were spiritual like me, you know, you'd be really somebody, but you're not. So, you know, well, then that's me trying to make him feel bad, right? Yeah. But being prideful and that's, of course, unbiblical. But uh, but she said, Smith, you know, you've not neglected me. So so uh, she went to church When she got home. The door was locked. You know, now, see, if I had done it, my wife, you know, there'd be a, a frying pan in my future, right? There's no way she'd put up with being locked out of the house, right? There's, I mean, there'd be a, you know, she'd just back the car up and just put it in, you know, put it in drive and, you know, make a new door. And, and I mean, there's just no way. But, you know, uh, Polly wasn't of that, wasn't of that spirit, right? And, and so, so she just sat on the, 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 the door stoop there and just uh, fell asleep. And, and, of course, he gets up, Smith gets up, uh, doesn't see her anywhere. And opens up the door and she kind of falls into the door because she was asleep, right? And so, so, so she's there and, and uh, not mad, right? Uh, because, see, her emotions don't run her life. And, and she gets up and fixes his favorite breakfast. You know, and of course, if it was me, I'd be checking it for ar- arsenic, you know, and, you know, shards of glass or something, you know. But <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be a little suspicious if it was me. But, but you know, he, he just... He just took it, of course, right in the middle of it, you know, finally the, the conviction of the Lord uh, over, overwhelmed him and he broke down in, in tears uh, and repented finally and, and then got right, right back with God. Now, he was, he was saved before that, but he had backslidden, right? Got out of the will of God and, and allowed his, his business to overcome him and then justified not going to church, justified, well, I'm making money for our family, right? You know, people justify getting out of the will of God every day uh, and... Um, uh, and then he became uh, probably the greatest apostle uh, of modern times, right? Raised 23 to 27 people from the dead. Uh, and uh, they would go to funerals and, and uh, Miss Polly would say, now, now Smith, he's dead. Uh, you know, don't be raising him from the dead. But sometimes he'd walk in and a lot of times they would have funerals at, at a house, right? At your, at your home. And so uh, one time he walked in the house and they had a little parlor there with a the little, little uh, French doors. And so he just went in there, into the parlor, closed the French doors, grabbed the guy out of the, out of the casket and commanded life to come back into him, and he came back alive, you know, and that'd be really make a pretty good funeral message right there, right? Uh, and so, uh, but see, he wouldn't have done that if, if uh, uh, he didn't, ha- if, if Polly hadn't done her job of not allowing somebody else to control her life. Because if she just rolled over and quit going to church and backslid like, like uh, Smith did, there would have never been a Smith Wilkesworth. All we would have found out is, you know, third generation Smith's plumbers. And which had been great, you know, uh, but, you know, I mean, if he needed a good plumber, I'm sure he was a good plumber, but uh, he didn't, he would never have changed the world, right? Uh, and, uh, but he changed the world because somebody decided that, that nobody runs their life except for the Lord. And that was his wife. And, and she doesn't get nearly the credit uh, that, that uh, uh, she ought to. I'm sure Smith would always give her the credit. And, um, uh, and so anyway, all of that, you know, that uh, uh, faith gets to choose. Amen. Uh, and you should fight it every day of your life. Uh, whatever sickness or disease that's trying to, to take over your life, fight it every day uh, until your very last breath. Uh, and I can guarantee you, if you'll fight it every day, the Lord will show you eventually. Here's how to overcome. If you'll not just roll over and say, well, that's just, I guess the Lord's not going to heal me. And then just turn your faith key off. And then the, there's nowhere for the Lord to work in your life after that, uh, in that area right now. I'm sure other areas he can work in your life. And so... So uh, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 16, and we'll look at, uh, we finished up chapter 11 uh, last week, and uh, some of these chapters are pretty short. This one's a pretty short chapter, too, so, um, but here in, in Mark, chapter 16, and she covers some things here, but she kind of uh, repeats some of these things in, in the next chapter, too, after that, so we'll just kind of go with her outline here just to, to stay along with the book here, but uh, it starts out here in uh, Mark chapter 16. Let's, let's start in verse uh, 9 here. Uh, and it says, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him 
as they mourned and wept. Uh, and so then it goes on down, talks about them not believing her, but then it jumps down to verse, uh, to verse, well, we'll just go ahead and read verse 11. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. Uh, when, uh, how many times do men get into trouble by not believing women, right? Uh, and so they didn't believe her. Uh, and it said after, after that, he appeared in another form. You, you know, so I think, it's, I think it's, to me, it's interesting. You know, uh, nothing the Lord did was an accident. He didn't accidentally see Mary first, right? It was planned. He planned that from before the foundation of the world, that the very first person we're going to see is Mary, right? A woman. Uh, and the very first person to preach the gospel is going to be Mary, a woman, right? She's the one who very first preached the resurrection of Lord Jesus. Uh, and of course, the men didn't believe her, right? Uh, and uh, nothing much has changed since then, right? But still, um, the very first person the Lord Jesus appeared to was a woman. Uh, and so um, it says in verse uh, 12, after that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. So not two apostles, but just two regular old fellows, right? I remember in, in Luke, it was on the road to Emmaus there. Uh, and, and so um, he appeared to them next. So why didn't he appear to the apostles? Well, sometimes the Lord does things to kind of uh, help us check our own pride, right? To help us to, to see, you know, does it bother us that the Lord appeared to somebody else first? Right. And if it bothers you, then then that's probably why he appeared to somebody else first. Right. And so uh, uh, and and so it says uh, and when and they went and told it unto the residue or the, to the remaining apostles, neither believed they them. And afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. So he appeared to two other groups before the, the great apostles, because you remember one time uh, they were arguing uh, and he said, what are you all arguing about? And, of course, they didn't want to say, but finally they said, well, we were arguing about who, who among us is the greatest. Can you imagine having that conversation? No, I'm greater than you. No, I'm pretty sure I'm greater than you. No, no, I'm, I'm way better than you, you know, especially you right there. I mean, Thomas, wow, you know, nobody's ever even heard of you, right? Uh, Bartholomew, I mean, whatever, right? Uh, uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm greater than all of you. Uh, and you think, you know, they had been in the presence of Jesus for years, and they were still arguing about the most childish things about who's greater, right? And, and part of it, you have to understand, they were, they were not born again, right? They were still uh, living under their own flesh. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we look at them and sometimes we're kind of harsh on them, but you can understand they were not saved yet, right? They were still in the presence of Jesus and you think they would learn some things because, you know, you, you look at Jesus and did Jesus ever say, how dare you treat me that way? I'm the son of the most high God. Did Jesus ever demand to be treated a certain way because of his position with the Lord? No, and you think, you know, uh, uh, how many times are people around other great people and never catch what they had, ne never find out really what, what made them who they were, right? Uh, and, th and that's one reason why I've, I've always enjoyed following after Brother Hagin's ministry because uh, he walked in so much love and, and just kindness towards people. Uh, and, and, you know, other ministers, even, you know, Lester Summerall, you know, Lester can be a little gruff. You know, he picked up some of that gruffness from from Smith, I suppose. But uh, uh, but Brother Hagin was always some, a person who walked in love. Uh, and, and, you know, if I can get to be that person that walks in the same uh, love love walk that Brother Hagin did, I feel like I'll have accomplished something in my life. Uh, and so because to me, that's what made him so great. It wasn't the fact that he was a prophet. It wasn't the fact that the Lord appeared to him in all these visions. It was because he chose to walk in love. Uh, and, and for me, that's, I want that aspect of his ministry more than anything else because it wasn't his ministry, it's just who he was. Uh, and so, so uh, he finally appeared to the 11 and, and then uh, he said it, he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was, after he was risen. And so he basically gave them a what for, you know, uh, he chastised them, didn't he? Right. For their unbelief. Uh, and, and so you can you can just see from that story that he intentionally did it in that order. I'm going to appear to Mary first because Mary was the one possessed with seven devils. Uh, and so, um, you know, she's probably not seen as being the most spiritual person among them. Right. But it's funny, you know, I, I remember over the years we we've, we've worked with different groups, you know, and I remember one group of people that we worked with. And the most spiritual person was one of the wives of the group, not the head dude, not the second head dude. Right. It was the wife. Uh, and, and really, they all thought that she was kind of, you know, just 
not really mature like us, right? Didn't really know what we know, you know. Uh, and in my observation, she was by far not even close, the most spiritual one of all of them. But all the prideful men, you know, were walking around all, I mean, just like roosters, you know, just strutting everything, you know, just acting all spiritual. And, and I'm thinking, y'all missed the whole boat right there. You need to be watching her life and following after her heart and, and learning something from her instead of, you know, strutting around like roosters, you know, and, uh, because someday the Lord will upbraid you for, for missing your opportunity to learn, amen? Missing the opportunity to learn from, uh, from a lowly woman, right? Uh, and so, uh, but you know, the nice thing about the Lord is he will rebuke us, but he, wasn't, he doesn't hold it against us because it says in verse 14 that he upbraided them. That's pretty harsh, right? Upbraid is a very strong word in, in the New Testament. Uh, and, and so he upbraided them, but then immediately he goes to verse 15. Now, y'all good? Now go into all the world to preach the gospel. You know, so, so a lot of times uh, when, when we are the one doing the upbraiding, we allow our emotions to do the upbraiding and we don't know when to end it, right? Uh, well, I'm just going to be mad at them for a while, you know? No, Jesus went right in from, y'all, sorry, no count people. You know, straighten up next time. Listen to the woman when she's teaching faith. Now, you all go out in the world and preach the gospel, right? Uh, he could shift those gears because he wasn't being bitter towards them. He was just doing his job as the head of the church. Uh, and so he told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, and, to, and he that believeth and baptizes saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Uh, and then she gets to this, to this point here. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, what were they doing before verse 17? What did verse 15 say? Go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel, right? So what's the gospel? Where is the, where's the gospel contained? It's in the word of God, right? So, so what's the order of things? Preach the gospel and then what? And then signs, right? Uh, because it says these signs shall follow them that believe. But they, but they also follow the word, right? Because later on, uh, we'll see what it says there. But, uh, but, the, but the order of events that the Lord always does, or, or most often does, it's not always necessary, but uh, most often is the preaching of the word comes first. And then the healing comes after that, right? Uh, and so he said these signs shall follow them that believe. So... Uh, is there, is there any footnote in this verse to just say these signs shall follow them that believe only in the first century? These signs shall follow them that believe only until the Bible is printed by Gutenberg. Mm -hmm. These signs shall follow them until we establish our church. And once we have established our church, there is no more need for miracles, right? Uh, does it say anything like that? No. What's the qualifications for signs to follow? Believe, believe right? And so are there still believers today? then there should still be signs following today. Amen. Amen. Now, just because they don't uh, doesn't mean that the Lord has changed. It just means that we have stopped our believing, right? These signs shall follow them and believe. So, so part of what we need to believe is that, well, these signs should follow. So if you don't believe that signs will follow, what's going to happen? No signs, right? Because you're, you're not believing in the word of God. Amen. I, my, my faith is always that when the word goes forth, signs will follow. Amen. And he said, and he gives a list of signs. Uh, in my name, they shall cast out devils. So again, that's uh, one of the signs, the very first sign that he mentions that will follow those that believe. So if, if, uh, if we're still believing today, then what should there still be being cast out today? Devils. devils, right? So if there's still faith today, there should still be devils cast out today. It didn't end at, at the, when the last apostle died, right? I always loved that. When the last apostle died, all those things ended. You know, you just made that up, right? You just made that up out of nothing, right? And that's not even good doctrine, right? Uh, it's dumb doctrine. And um, most doubt and unbelief, in, in my observation, is just dumb. It's not even intellectually sound. It's not even, you know, uh, uh, oh, I can see how you could get that. It's, not, it's like, you made that up. You just, uh, you, you don't want to believe God for anything. And so now you're excusing your own doubt and unbelief uh, by making up doctrine that's not even real. Uh, and that's what people do is instead of, saying, well, I just don't know how to believe God for faith or for miracles or signs and wonders. It's not on me. God has decided not to give me signs and wonders. So, and that's what people do is, is they never take any responsibility for their own doubt and unbelief. Remember in Mark chapter 9 when the epileptic son came and, and, and the father said, Lord, I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't, they couldn't help him. Uh, and he said, oh, faithless generation, how long will I be with you? Uh, and, and so... Uh, 
nowadays, you know, when they bring, uh, you know, people outside the church, bring sick children into the church and the church can't help them. The church is like, well, God decided not to, not to do anything. You know what Jesus would say? He'd say the exact same thing that he said to the disciples. Oh, faithless generation. That's what he would say, right? Remember what he said? Uh, when he comes on the earth, will he find what? Will he find faith on the earth, right? Uh, and, he, and, you know, sometimes he'll go to a church and look around. It's like, you know, not a drop of faith in this whole church. And he'll go somewhere else, right? Well, let's go find another church, boys. Uh, and so the very first thing, cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Uh, well, when did that occur? It occurred in Acts chapter 2, right? They shall take up serpents. If they drink any daily thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So is that lay hands on sick sometimes? Two out of three, 50-50 chance? Uh, sometimes the Lord just, just decides not to heal you if you lay hands on them? I mean, how many times, how many different doctrines have you heard about why it doesn't work? And yet right there it says there's no ifs, ands, or buts, right? There's no 50-50. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes God just decides. Sometimes God decides that it's going to help you to stay the way, for you to stay the way you are. Is, that, is there any out in that particular verse? There's no out in that verse, right? There's no way to say, well, the Lord has, has given you multiple options to either stay sick or get well. And so you just don't really know. I mean, it's just... Sometimes it's just a roulette wheel and just, you know, you throw the red and throw the, 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 the black, whatever. And, uh, and wherever it lands, you know, that's, you know, if it lands on sick, then it's too bad you're sick, right? If it lands on healed, then, then praise God you're healed. Yeah, but that's the way a lot of people live, right? Lord, if it be thy will. Mm. Well, how can you ask that question if he says right there that they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover? Mm. That's, a, that's, a, that's the, the, I mean, that's as clear explanation of the will of God so if he says this shall happen what is he saying this is my will this is my desire that when you as a believer shall lay hands on the sick they shall recover not 50 50 not sometimes not you know well you just you know when you when you get a head cold you know you just it just got to run its course sometimes you just got to run its course you know it's a viral infection right so it's not a if it's a if it's a bacterial infection you can get medicine but it's viral you know you can't overcome it anyway so you just you just got to put up with it you know and uh, it, so does it say that uh, they shall lay hands on those without viruses and they shall recover? But if you got a virus, it's too bad, right? Uh, is that, does it say that? It doesn't say that, right? So, so our job is to be the believers, right? We're supposed to believe this stuff. We're supposed to read the word of God and go, yeah. Uh, you know, I remember uh, when I first got saved, and I knew nothing about any doctrine. I didn't know. I didn't know God healed. I didn't know. I didn't know anything. Uh, and but I remember. Uh, fortunately, and I thank God for it, I was born again in a word church, in a charismatic church. And I remember, you know, when they first started teaching about healing, it was the easiest thing in the world for me to, to believe in healing. Easiest thing in the world because they said that God heals. And, and, and my response was, okay, sounds good to me, right? Because it says right there, believe it shall lay in the sick and they shall recover. The easiest thing has never been hard for me to believe in the healing power of God. Never been hard. Well, Lord, I just, you know, I've tried it. Just, sometimes it doesn't work. You know, I've never thought that, uh, you know, I'll fight it uh, however long it takes and, and we'll overcome it. Amen. Uh, and so and, I, you know, and I thank God for that because I didn't have to unlearn. You know, a lot of people go to church and they go to the first church of doubt and unbelief for a few years, you know, to get their church badge. And then God uh, blesses them. And they get to go to a church that, that believes something uh, and then uh, then they can learn some things. And then it, uh, and but they sometimes have to unlearn things. Right. People have said, well, you know, God just doesn't he doesn't heal anymore. And, you know, you're 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 designed to believe what the minister tells you. Right. I mean, if they're a kind person, you know, well, he said that he doesn't heal. So I guess he doesn't heal. Right. Uh, and then you then you wake up and realize, well, you know, he does heal. But then, uh, you know, for for a season, there'll be a question. Well, maybe he doesn't because he said and I love, you know, uh, you know, uh, brother so and so, you know, he was such a wonderful man of God and and he might have been. Uh, but it's still wrong to teach that God doesn't heal. Right. Uh, and so. So then he says in, in verse uh, 19, so then after the Lord had spoken with them, he received uh, he was received up in heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preaching everywhere that were Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Uh, and so. Uh, and that's that's the point that, that she wanted to uh, make in this particular chapter, that the word of God goes for forth, that God is a good God and God's going to confirm that show you that this is true by signs that follow that word. Uh, and so that's why, you know, the order of that uh, is important there, right? Uh, and so uh, uh, he will confirm his words with signs following. So 
That tells you then uh, why in some churches, uh, you know, it's not always the case, by it, but why in some churches there's never any signs because there's never any word, right? It's all, it's all anecdotes, it's all stories, it's all, you know, uh, cute little, cute little um, you know, uh, uh, jokes or whatever that they do, right? But a lot of times, you know, I mean, I'm, I remember uh, the, the word church that we were, were involved with in high school kind of, uh, it was a small, real small church, and, and it, it didn't make it, you know. And, and so uh, we ended up going to a particular denominational church. Uh, and, and I was used to like an hour of teaching, right? And we went to this denomination church, and it's, the service was about an hour long, just like our service. But, you know, they had 15 minutes for kids and 15 minutes for announcements and 15 minutes for this and that, you know. And then they had this right there going up there. Then they had, you know, all, all these different programs. And then they might have a chance to read literally one Bible verse and just say, well, you know, this is good. And then that, uh, 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 y'all see next week, right? You know, you want to raise your, is that it? You know, is that it? You know, I mean, I've got my fork and napkin, but there was no food, right? I mean, you gave me a cookie, yeah, but, where's, but where's, the, where's the rest of the food? And, and uh, just starve. I mean, just starve, you know. Uh, and so, uh, because there was no word going forth, right? I mean, it was almost like they tried to fill up the hour with as much stuff as they possibly can because they were afraid of the word of God, afraid of just opening up the Bible and reading it. I mean, you can just read even the book of Numbers and it's going to be a blessing. Now, you know, we have to really be in intercession to find it, but, you know, we could, I mean, sure, because it's the word of God, right? Uh, and so the word of God, will. Uh, the signs are there to confirm the word of God. So that's why the word of God is so important, right? So we teach the word of God to the, to the church. We preach the word of God, the good news to the world. I mean, if, if, you, if the world really knew the good news of the Lord, they'd be busting down the doors. We'd have to put double doors on the front of the church, right? If the world really knew the good news of the gospel, not y'all going to die and go to hell. And, and what world is that good news? Yeah. I mean, how, how is that good news, right? When they get in the church now, we can tell them, hey, avoid hell. It's not a good place to go, right? And we can teach them all about that. But uh, the, the, in, in the area of evangelism, now if the Lord tells you to say something about it, I don't have a problem with it, but a lot of times, you know, you, get, you see these street preachers and they're so mad. It's like, Why are you, what are you mad about? You've got the best, the best uh, pitch in the whole world. Accept the Lord and go to heaven for eternity. Accept the Lord and have days of heaven upon the earth. Accept the Lord and all your sickness is gone. Accept the Lord and you're fully prosperous all the days of your life. Accept the Lord and no emotions can run your life. I mean, that's all pretty good news to me, right? Why wouldn't they be on the street corner preaching all that, you know? Uh, instead of, you know, y'all going to die and go to hell, come to the church, be like me. Well, why would I want to be like that? You seem awful mad. You know, what are you mad about? And, uh, and you just wonder about people like that, right? Uh, and so... She made a statement there. She said, Jesus desires to convince the unbelieving world of the reality of his gospel by his healing miracles on the bodies of the sick who come to him for deliverance. Uh, and so and, and really, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, that's often what he did. He would preach the word of God and then it says he would heal everybody. Uh, and, and, you know, that'll draw a crowd right there. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, and then she tells, you know, most of the rest of the chapters, a story about uh, this one fellow. Uh, I think his name was John, right? In fact, my note says the story of the bad John. Uh, and so, uh, but, uh, but she ended up helping this, this fellow get saved, you know, at, at the end, end of this long story there. I'll, I'll let you read that story there. But the whole, the whole point of that story was that God confirms his word, that signs follow the preaching of the word. Amen. Uh, and uh, because she, she was preaching the, the word, uh, and uh, I think she said that uh, uh, they were tarrying uh, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit there at some barn. Um, and so she had prayed for the child there, and eventually the, the child's dad was the, was the bad fellow there. And she stayed long enough that she was able to, to help them. But um, uh, anybody remember tarrying meetings? Anybody involved in old Pentecostal times? Uh, Vicki probably saw the tarrying meetings, right? Because it used to be the doctrine in a Pentecostal church was that you had to tarry for the Holy Spirit, right? You couldn't just get him anytime you wanted to. You had to go tarry. And some people would tarry for years, sometimes decades, right? And they never knew when they were going to get it, you know. But that's, so that just tells you if you don't know when you're going to get it, uh, then you, you have to question that faith. You don't know if you can get it, right? Uh, and so that's really no, no faith in that. So they would just tarry and beg God, you know, please fill me with the Spirit of God, not realizing that 
you can be filled anytime you want to, right? Uh, the minute that you believe, you can be filled. There's no, there's no need to tarry anymore after the first event there in, Act, in Acts chapter 2 there. So, and that, and that was the whole chapter, right? Uh, that, the, uh, the, the Mark chapter 16, the story of the bad John, and that was the whole chapter there. So, uh, but, so that means there's only two questions, right? Uh, and so um, uh, we'll go over these two questions then. So question number one, so that Jesus desires to convince the unbelieving world of, of the reality of his gospel by doing what? His healing miracles, his healing miracles right? Um, uh, and that's really the, the plan that's always been the plan of the Lord Jesus for the church. That you remember in, in Acts uh, 1.8, uh, you know, he said, uh, after you're endued with the power on high, then you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and under, and to, under the uttermost parts of the earth. So it was always the plan of the Lord Jesus that uh, the, the, uh, the power of the Lord was upon the disciples. And then they took that power of the Lord and they went and preached the gospel. And then after they preached the gospel, then signs would follow that. That's always been the plan of evangelism for the Lord uh, to to uh, to heal the sick. And then that would encourage them to uh, to get saved. Right. Uh, And so you and and in that case, in that chapter there, she prayed for the daughter uh, first and then she got healed and then then went on and got the the dad healed there. Dad saved. And uh, and so. Um, so that's always been the plan from the beginning. That's what he said in Mark chapter 16. That's what he said in Acts chapter 1. That's the plan that he used when he was in the ministry on the earth. That's the plan that the disciples used when they were in the ministry on the earth. Uh, and, and how far have we gotten from that in the church? You know, we've gone a long ways away from that in the church, right? Where now it's, we're, we're just competing for the same fish all the time, right? Well, you know, oh, they, I'm going to get you to leave that church and come to my church and, you know, well, why aren't we getting new people you know, into the church instead of everybody else's people in, in our church? Uh, and so uh, we should be expanding the kingdom of heaven. Amen. There's plenty of people out there that, that need the, the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Uh, and so uh, the second question was, is it necessary to tarry or wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? No. Uh, uh, when did they tarry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? In the upper room, and, and uh, what was unique about that particular situation? It was the very first time, right? Uh, and it and it really wasn't waiting uh, on the Lord for some unspecified amount of time. The Lord, the Lord just likes things done at a certain time and place, and so He had already planned. I'm going to die at Passover feast. I'm going to be resurrected three days later. I'm going to. 50 days after the Passover is Pentecost. So I'm going to send the Spirit of God on day 50. Uh, and why did he pick that? He picked that because he picked that. Uh, you know, I'm sure people who study all the Old Testament feasts can tell you exactly why and what for. You know, all the planets came into alignment. You know, the moon was this and the sun was that, you know. And there may be some reason for that. But at the end of the day, it didn't really matter. He wanted to be done the first time at Pentecost. And then from that point on, there was never any tearing to be done in the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit, right? So uh, make sure that nobody said, well, you need to tarry, brother, just tarry. Uh, and um, no, you don't tarry for the Holy Spirit. You don't tarry for anything that the Lord has promised us. Amen. Uh, and so there's some things he hasn't promised us that you may have to tarry for uh, that you've asked for in faith. And so, uh, but we'll pick up uh, chapter 12 next week. And she kind of backs up a little bit and, and kind of goes over the same thing about teaching, preaching and healing. Uh, and, and that's fine. So uh, really, they, they probably could have merged chapters 11 and 12. Uh, they didn't ask my opinion when they wrote the book. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Right. We'll pick up chapter 12 uh, next week there. So uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And Father, we thank you for the faith of the word. We thank you that your word is so uh, and Lord, we thank you that uh, you said that these signs should follow them that believe. So, Father, we choose to believe. Uh, and Father, we, we thank you that when the word of God goes forth, that that you will confirm your word with signs following. So the order always needs to be the word of God and then signs following. And so we thank you for that, Father. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive uh, this uh, this afternoon's uh, offering there. You know, one of the things that when I'm, when I'm reading the word of God, I'm always trying to read the word of God to, to understand how does the Lord want us to operate as the church, right? How does he want things structured and organized as a church? 
because he's not going to cover every detail, right? He's not going to say, well, you know, how many people you should have running the bed babies, right? How many, what age group you should break down the children's church in, you know, only from, you know, two to five and five to seven, you know, he, there's no details like that, right? That's just however we choose to, to operate the local church. And, uh, and so there's no, now some people really believe that, that unless the word of God tells you in the New Testament, some friends we were talking about uh, before service there, uh, that they believe that unless there's the word of God teaches it, that they can't do it uh, like that at all. They can't do anything unless the word of God teaches it. But the problem is the word of God is not there to teach you how to run your day to day life in a sense of, you know, well, you got to get up at seven o'clock. Well, no, you know, the Bible says you got to get up at eight. The Bible didn't say what time to get up. Right. Uh, so there's a lot of things that are left up to you. Amen. Uh, but still, I'm always uh, trying to read and understand. Well, come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. But I'm always trying to understand, Lord, how do you want the church to operate? You know, and, and, and then when you're reading Acts 1-8, you realize the Lord designed the church to operate to be filled with the Spirit of God first. And, 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 and until that point, no witnessing was to be done. After that point, once you have the Spirit of God and due to power, then you can be witnesses. That was the design from the beginning, right? And yet, how many people in the church are not Spirit-filled out witnessing? Got the little tracks, you know, doing the Bible thumping on the street corner, whatever. But they're not spirit filled. They're not talking in tongues. And, and that's that's not how the head of the church instructed us to do it. That the, uh, we're not following Mark chapter 16. I say we, I mean the church as a whole. We're not following Mark 16. Pretty clear how he wants it done. Acts 1 8, pretty clear how he wants it done. Ephesians chapter 4, pretty clear how he wants the ministry gifts to operate. Uh, I think it's pretty clear. And yet, if you look at the church as a whole, we're not really operating the church in the big picture the way the Lord Jesus, the head of the church, created his word for us to follow amen now you can get so legalistic that there's no room for the spirit of god to move but he doesn't cover every single detail he doesn't say well you can't be in a you know you got to be in a certain building not a storefront you know and not that he'd never said anything like that right some people have told me i can't believe you know there's no way i could go to a storefront church but, well there's no book chapter and verse against it right no book chapter verse for it right but um besides we're not really a storefront church there's no store in here is there right and so not like we're, you know, the front of the store and then back there, you know, oh, you can go buy some uh, green beans over that way. Right. Uh, and I mean, so I don't know what the deal is. Right. But. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things that are, to me are pretty clear in the word of God about how he wants us to operate as a church. Right. Uh, and I think Mark 16 is a good summary for that. So we'll pick up. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, it's OK if we pray for you. Is there something that did you ask for the? Or did you just yeah, I, what's going on there? Yeah, is it a written test or? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You want you want a hundred percent gone, right? Um, and so yeah, so that's tomorrow down in, in, in Chattanooga there. So, all right, it was okay if we pray for you then. In fact, would it be okay if everybody prays for you? Uh, if you want to pray for Miss Sue, just come up here. We'll all pray for Miss Sue together. Amen. We'll just give her a... Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, Father, we thank you for our sister Sue. And Father, we thank you that as a child of God, Father, as a daughter of Abraham, she's do all the rights and privileges of heaven. And do, Father, all the rights and privileges to live free from sickness and disease. And so, Father, we thank you for good report. And, Father, we thank you that her blood is clear of, of all evidence, Father, of ever having cancer, Father. But the only part of cancer, Father, will be in the remembrance that once she had it many years ago. And, Father, I thank you that your spirit lives in this body. That means that your eternal life lives in this physical body. And that eternal life, that everlasting life, Father, drives it off sickness and disease. So, Father, I thank you that your word says that the same spirit that dwells in her that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken and make alive her mortal body. So, Father, we thank you. And we speak divine health to this body. And, Father, we declare that this, this physical body is filled with your life in the name of Jesus. And, Father, where your life is, there's no death. Where eternal life is, Father, there's no darkness. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We declare it to be so, Father. We thank you that it is so, Father. In the name of Jesus. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Well, you all have just a wonderful week in the Lord. And uh, uh, are all the tomatoes gone, Chris? There's one left. All right, but there's one. There's there's one tomato left if you all want it there. So, all right, y'all be blessed. We'll see you later. <laughs>